0: The trend, the gent, they like agents on top of pavements, peppermint, patty,
1: fragrance. Taking the credits when they spits and spritz. A chip and dip, a dip and Dale, I pin the tail. Death, throw the penalty ID, throwing your identity. Theft crime in the night. Pick pop, key the lock, stop, drop, roll the dice. Double, double, though, eat the rock, Road, Pro-shambo, tic-tac-toe, Crossing a road with the night flow. So with my energy, you see me, room, room, play Monopoly. With my commodities, stop the eyes and cross the T's, T's, T's.
0: How do you do, venters? My chief purpose of this podcast is to have meaningful conversations with significant individuals whom I have connected with along the way. As my daughter says in the intro, we will dot all the I's and cross all the T's to prove that questions are the answers while finding out what these significant people ultimately vent about. The butcher, the baker, the candlestick maker. Forget about the butcher and the candlestick maker. This episode, I am with the baker, the caterer, and the event planner extraordinaire, Stephanie Den of Final Touch Bakery and S Fine Catering. Not only does Stephanie plan events, she plans every step she makes, which has served her well. So enjoy listening to my conversation with Stephanie about her journey to America from Vietnam to taking calculated risk to being a consummate learner let's get on with it we're here today in your lovely um, establishment final touch and so thank you once again for having me here yeah
1: you're welcome my
0: pleasure so let's start um with your your family tell me a little bit about your parents what did they do um or the certain things that they expected? of you as, as a child, and so tell me a little bit about about your parents.
1: Well, my, my father, he was a teacher, and uh, I only know him a short time. He passed away when I was 10, so I don't know much about him. Uh, my mom, she's a, a homemaker, so she always raised us, uh, I'm the youngest of seven, so I kind of learn from everybody it come top down, <laughs> and my brother and sister, my older siblings, kind of take care of me a lot more. Cause you know, of course, uh, that's how it goes. I'm the youngest of seven, and um, my mom, she's she had a handful with seven kids. Wow. Yeah, and so she, but um, uh, she come from a very uh kind of uh nice background uh in when she was young, very um uh. uh I don't know how you say it, but it's a um, uh, very well-off family in 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 Hanoi, and so she she always have a manner. You know, even though when she married my dad, he he was poor, but uh, uh, you know she uh, she not doesn't make money. We are, we were poor when we were young, but she always have her, her standard, her manner, had her, her um, um, you know expectation from the kids that. You have to have education. You have to be driving, and so she's my inspiration to be, uh, to be very ambitious. From mostly from my mom.
0: So, you mentioned that you didn't know your dad for, for a long time. What what did he teach? What was his, what did he, he, teach he
1: was? Um, well, according to the stories in the family, you know, my siblings uh, know him, and my uh, my mom. Uh, He's he's a teacher in a village, you know, back in uh, the north of Vietnam, and uh, when he moved in into uh, Saigon, he um, he still teach and he's like um, vice principal of a school of a, like a high school, and uh, I believe it was all boys school or, uh, or maybe a ed, I don't know, but uh, I don't know anything because after uh, I was born, he had a stroke, so. I don't even know his voice because he can't talk. All yeah. I remember, my memory with him is that he always walked me out the, um, on the street just to buy me some some snack, and then we walk home. That's the only memory I have with him. And then everything else is just lay on bed and we take care of him for the ten years year, uh, that he was sick. Yeah. So so not really anything that for my mom, but my dad. But from my, all my siblings and my, um, uh, my mom, he he's like he's very a uh, handsome man. He was you know like he attract women, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know like him. But he's a well educated person. You know back then, yeah. So mm-hmm. he, he can teach. He teach math. He teach French. He all my oldest four siblings. They all have to learn French when uh, when they were young. Yeah, of course they all forgot now. Okay. <laughs> but, you know yeah, but. Uh, he teacher, uh, you know, being a teacher in Vietnam, they can teach pretty much
0: anything. Yeah. yeah. So. Now, are you good at math? I mean, obviously, what you do with the bakery and with your catering service, you're very creative. But yeah. are, are are you good at math?
1: I thought I I was good at math. That's why I chose my uh, when I was in college. I chose to be in engineering science. I was a computer science graduate, but. Now I know that I'm not good <laughs> because you know I, I of course I know how to run the business, but I think I'm more artistic uh, on the side. And you know, when I first came, uh, if I have enough guidance, I might go pursue whatever I like you know, to do right now instead of follow everybody else doing it, uh, which is go to, to school to become an engineer. know yeah, so so I thought I'm good. i good. I was good at math but I don't think I am, <laughs> mm-hmm.
0: yeah. So, but you do, you got your degree in computer science, Yes. Mm-hmm. and did you do anything with that right after school, or did you?
1: Yeah, I, I was fortunately, uh, fortunate enough to get a job um, offer um, at the job fair, again, in, uh, at Cal State Fullerton, and I got a job, fair, a job offer uh, two months before I graduated uh, from Northrop Corporation. And I worked with them for four years, but I hated it every moment of it because it's so boring to me. And so, um, uh, yeah, I did I did work um, as a computer science major for four years and I never touched it since then. Wow.
0: Yeah. So, let's stay with the family and then we'll get back into how you get into um, cooking and, and baking. So. At what age did you, were you born in Vietnam? Yes. Yes. Yeah, so at what age did you come to America?
1: I came to America when I was 14. Okay. Yeah, in uh, 1975 when the fall of Saigon is starting and the communists come over. My mom, she's always run away from the communists since uh, 19, 1954. She she came down to Saigon and you know, like all this thing, She she's not gonna stay there, leaving with the communists again. So. We got an opportunity uh, to. We know this one colonel. He's, uh, he's a he's U.S. Army or you know a colonel, and uh, his wife is Vietnamese. So we we um, we have uh, um, we friends with them, and then so when the fall of Saigon come down, and we we decided to um, you know my sister uh, went to him and asked you know if he can bring us to the state because we already have a sister in the state already. And so he just signed us off and let us, let us go. So we're pretty fortunate about that, because we don't have anybody in the military. And, um, but you know, we're fortunate enough that he signed us off, all uh, seven of us, um, um, except my brother. And uh, but and then se- because the seven is that we, we in, in lieu, Leo, my brother, we bring in a na- uh, um, a cousin with us, and uh, my sister, my nephew, and my mom. So a total of ten people, we just signed up, and we went to the airport, and then it just take off and bring us here in America. So,
0: all at once, you guys didn't get separated.
1: No, we didn't get separated at all, and fortunately enough, my my cousins get to go on ride with us too, I mean go with us, because my brother has to stay back. He, he's the type of person that say he said, you know, if every man in the country leaves, then how can you protect your country? And my brother was about 21 at that time, so he so he said that, you know, he needs to stay back, and the whole family go. And so we, we have to make a good call, because my mom, we have younger kids like me, myself and my two older sister and then my nephew. My brother said, you know, like 10 of you versus one of me, I can escape anytime, but you need to go first. So that's why we have to make that difficult um, uh, call. You yeah, know, my mom did. And it was hard for her. But then three years later, my brother came. Okay. Yeah, they, he he went and uh, escaped from Vietnam. Wow. Uh, yeah. And then he came. So. So we all reunited, and that's so all of us are here.
0: That's excellent. Mm-hmm. So you had 14 years there. During those 14 years, what was your idea of America? What did you know about America?
1: All I know is about three years before that, my sister she married with American GI, and, you know, um, and she came to the state. And uh, all I know is that's uh, it's, America is a luxury thing. It's like a fantasy. It's 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 uh, it's unreal, you know. So every time I um, I went to uh, um, you know like I write to my sister, I'm always asking for stuff because you know like you think America is so wealthy, so big, so it's so it's a fantasy for us, you know. So when I was 11, my sister moved here and. I always asking her for stuff, every time I write to her, because you know, as a youngest kid, you know, you get spoiled with all this uh, attention, and I didn't know that my, my sister actually suffering over here that, you know, financially to help out the family in Vietnam, and, uh, until we, we get here. But uh, I was, it was the whole fantasy. So when we get the notice, say that, you know, okay, we're going to America, it's just like, it's not going to happen. You know, even the day that we get on the airplane, we 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 wouldn't, I wouldn't expect it, and it's just a little bit shocking too because you know, with all the thing going on in Vietnam at that time, it was scary. And my mom, she's like, she hates the communists to the point that you know, like, you know, it. We have to go. We have to go. We have to escape and all this stuff. So, so it's just kind of like at that time, the uh, emotion is just scary more than anything. Yeah.
0: And so, even once you got on the plane, did you feel like you were going to get caught and you would have to go back, or why didn't you think even once you were on the plane it was actually going to happen?
1: It's um, when we get on the plane, we, we know it's happening because, and then we don't because at that time the communist is not in Saigon yet. So we leave uh, five days before the fall of Saigon. So you know, everybody is waiting in the airport. Uh, you know, to get on the airplane. We get the luxury that, you know, the the, the colonel have his uh, man pick us up and then we wait until we have a flight. And what they did was they put us on a cargo airplane. So there's no seat, we just sit like like um, like a military man, sit in, in there and waiting, you know, to take off. So we, we sit in there and we know we're going, but we don't know the future and the commotion and the emotion that leaving my brother behind and everything, you know, like, we, we all just silent. Everybody, not just our family, but everybody on that plane. How many we just, were on a plane? Uh, I, approximately? I know, approximately, you, me, maybe about 100, 200 about, people. Okay. It's a lot, you know, like, we sit everywhere on the floor, you know, like, but you, you it's a cargo airplane. There's no seat belt, anything, so so it it was um it was um like what you see is just uh, chaotic, and that's all you need you know and then when we landed in um in the Philippines and we actually like out the country, then we realized that i I sit there and realized it, oh my gosh, you know like we actually going to america and uh and uh but you know at that young age, all you think about yourself, you know um yeah, fourteen years old. I already lost that the kind of time frame in Vietnam, and then and then when I get here, and you know, at that time you all say, you know, like what I'm gonna do. I don't. I'm not gonna be communicating. I I don't, I won't have friends and stuff like that. You know, and so all the thoughts that's going to me in my head that you know like oh I'm gonna be you know like how's your future gonna turn out things like that. So it just it just thoughts after thoughts that just running into my mind. Yeah.
0: So once so you guys went to the Philippines, and then what where did you guys go after that?
1: We went to the Philippines. We stayed there for the night, and then uh, they take they all take us to Wong, uh you know where the I think it's army base right there, and that's where all the refugees go there to to um, you know like the first stop. Then uh, because of uh, my nephew and my not my nephew my uh, cousin he's uh, doesn't have the same last name with us, so uh, so we it ha- uh, it held us back that we stay there for two weeks hmm. instead of going directly to America because we have to sort out all the paperwork for him to to, uh, to come with us, and uh, when we there uh, about maybe three days later, then the news broke that Vietnam is lost, and uh, so it's it's. I remember at that time we, my mom is crying almost every day, you know, like because of the of, of the fact my brother's there, and then because of the fact that her that she's very um, uh, a classy kind of lady, you know. So when you go to the camp and you have to you have to stand up in line to the buffet line to waiting to for the food, and she feel disgrace. She feel like you know, oh, this is something that you know like. I, I don't go back for food, you know, and so so we what we have to do is that she have to stay at um, at home and uh, I mean at the tent at the camp and then we just go get the food gather the food for her, and then for my sister in law who's pregnant with her second child at that time because it's so hot there and stuff like that. We stayed there about two weeks after all the paperwork sorted out, and um, and then they they fly us to Arkansas. Um, Fort Chaffee is also another military base, and uh, to to get the paperwork to to assign people where they gonna you know live after you know like sponsor or something. But uh, so we went to Fort Chaffee, we stayed there for maybe two more weeks, and my sister uh, sponsored us out.
0: So once you got to Arkansas, was that when you finally had a sigh of relief? Or was that, did that happen in the Philippines? Or when when did you actually felt like, oh, we can relax? And obviously, yeah, you guys had your nerves built up because of your brother was still there. But at what point do you feel like you and your mom and the rest of your siblings actually relaxed and said, okay, things are gonna be okay? You know,
1: we we, we relax, we We try to resume, um, as normal as possible. So my sister, all my older siblings that uh, know English at that time, they they volunteer to to work. You know, like um, uh, so you know, like uh, work in the cafeteria or work in the my one of my sisters. She um, uh, she uh, know English very well, so she go she volunteer to work in like paper office kind of thing to help uh, refugees come in and stuff like that to keep ourselves busy. And my mom, she, you know, we, we always um, go get like uh, stuff that they gave us to us. And my mom, she using sheet to make um, clothing, you know, clothing for my uh, my nephew. The, you know, we don't have clothing that much, that many to wear. So my mom had to make little the uh, clothing for my nephew. he's only one year old. So. And so we keep ourselves busy. And for myself, I was 14, you know, like what you expect me to do? So. I'm gonna going around and then wherever they have entertainment, sometimes they have entertainment and then all movie, and then we go watch and then and then go to where my sister works, and she tell, oh you' know, stop by today, and then you know, like I give you a cookie or something, you know, like I go wherever it's just fun for me to go. And uh, but I'm always a warrior though. i'm I'm always worrisome, even when I was young in Vietnam. so, so I'm always in my head, you know, what gonna be with my life, you know, how how my life gonna be, uh, you know, in America, and I'm always put that question in my head. Even even now, I still like, what well, you know, what's the next step, you know, yeah. So I'm always a worried person, and uh, but uh, we we did relax after we see our sister, though. My sister. She lived in Kentucky at that time and uh, so she as soon as we get to Arkansas, and she um, she uh, she and her husband came and like this is it this is the the realization that you know, okay we are actually in America could we see a sister yeah. and and so she um, uh, yeah so we uh, we get all the papers of uh, works sorted out and then a week later we come we come to her and then that when we arrived to Kentucky then I realized it my sister is poor. She's not as wealthy as I thought when I was in Vietnam. And then you know like and then now you feel start feeling guilty about, oh you're asking for so much, you know, when, when you were young. You yes. Know? Yeah.
0: So there's probably an idea that everyone in America is wealthy. Is that the, the idea that you That's had about I, America?
1: Yes. I, I think it's it's not just to the Vietnamese people but to every nation that the, uh, that the third world country. You know, the idea is America is is a fantasy. It's you know like it's the best place that you can be. You know, like at least to me. Uh, you know, because you, you see all this movie in um, film and I, I was lucky enough, my mom she's so ambitious. To the point that you know, like when when the three the last three grow up, she said that you know, like now the French are gone. You guys need to learn English because the Americans are here. So she let she let us grow that way, and so she put it, us into English school. She put you know, like she she uh, makes sure that we we know English instead of French, and so the three younger ones don't know French. we we, we learn English. And I barely learned English like a year before I, I left the country. Yeah. So yeah. So so uh, it it was it was uh, interesting when when we come to Kentucky though. It's <laughs> it's really interesting because you know like forty years ago, prejudice still I mean this prejudice still there right now. Exactly. so, so uh, I'm the only Asian in the school, and I live in Lexington, which is a big city. And, and I'm the only Asian. Everywhere you go, you get look, you get teased on, you know. Be, um, uh, and what, it, what it, year was this? Uh, it's 1975. 75, okay. Yeah. And so, so it's hard for me in, when I was in Kentucky. And uh, because I'm a warrior, I, I always worry about things. I always think of things ahead. So I, I kind of shut myself out when I was living there for three years. I go to school, I just, that's it, I'm going to school, and I go home, I don't make friends. Because when I get there, the first semester that I, I get there, I get teased so much to the point that you know, like, I don't need friends. I'm the person that I don't care about friends that much either, so, so I don't have any friends. And I don't talk English for uh, forever, for the three years I'm there. You know, I learn, whatever I learn, I keep it to myself. And uh, so, you know, that's one thing I'm regretting, that I, I, I wasn't outgoing enough. Because if I was more outgoing, my English would be much better now than then. Than. But, you know, it's, at that age, it's hard to say, you know, and, and um, I'm the only one to stay at home. All my siblings go to work, uh, go to school, I'm, I'm the only one to stay with my mom and go to school and then take care of the grandchildren for her. And so, so I just shut myself out for three years that I live
0: in Kentucky. Yeah. Was it the things that they were teasing you about or maybe even bullying you? Did you understand that they were just ignorant and they just didn't know any better or did you feel like it was truly something personal?
1: No, I, I don't think anything personal. I think it's ignorant and then also I, at that at that age, I, I cannot make any judgment about that. But it just feel, you feel like you you uh, alone in in, in a, a place that you know like people keep looking at you you know and staring at you and and uh, I think that was a fact. And then uh, and then uh, they keep like whispering at that time. Sometimes I don't understand them or they are making fun of me on my name. You know, especially uh, at that time I came. I don't. My name wasn't Stephanie. You know, of course, and my name was uh, Hin. and they keep calling me as a Han and and Heinz ketchup and you know like, mm-hmm. and then I said you know like I think I I think that they I know they are ignorant and I said you know like typical American kids, you know like Americans so outgoing so. So I think, oh, they're just typical American kids, you know, they don't have any respect for other people and things like that. At that time, I, would, I yes. was thinking like that. Now my, I'm totally opposite, you know, I, I <laughs> just different. But at that time, time. Yeah, you know, probably like, a tough time. It's, it's just like, and then, you know, my sister three, my, the one right above me, she's three years older than me. And so she's closer to the older sibling. And so I'm, I you know, like we, we we are close, very close family. But we but she's in college and I still in high school. Uh, at that time, I still have like three years left to, to graduate high school, and so d- big difference in ta- in uh, in America. You know, because she's in college, I hardly see her. Yes. So it, it's I don't have anybody to talk to, you know. So I play with my kids. That's why I love kids. I come with my with my nephews and nieces, and uh, that's why I I get close to the Children more than the adults yeah. because of that. Yeah.
0: So when at what stage did you come to Los Angeles in California?
1: Um, three years later. So uh, I was. Uh, I was. I started. Uh, I was a junior in high school, and uh, we come to California in the summer. Visit my one of my sister, Anna uh, Mary. His her boyfriend, um, and then move here. And so we we kind of like okay the first time we afford to take a vacation to visit our sister, so my uh, my mom and my uh, older older sibling go visit her, and uh, and me and then when we come here you know like we see a totally different world than Kentucky, people are more friendly it's more versatile and you see you see Asian everywhere you see. You see all kinds of race everywhere you know, and you don't feel left out anymore and and um uh, people my age seems to be bypass me you know like more advanced you know and stuff and so my sister um which is very ambitious and it wasn't for her we we don't get this kind of life she she's the one that told my mom, let them stay here with me, you know, so does she she, um, uh, She's the oldest of the younger group that born in Saigon. So she she said, you know, let the two younger ones stay with me. And, uh, you know, they have have better future. And I guarantee you, you know, they're not going to go bad and all this stuff. So my mom, being ambitious as her, even she's a homemaker, but she's like, okay, just like that when I was 16. Just like that. You can live here in California. And my, uh, my other sister, she's uh, 19. And uh, so we stay here. We don't take the, the flight back. And so she, my mom, she went home, and she made the oldest sister quit her job, pack everything, move here, and stay with us. Because she doesn't want the one in California taking care of us because he, she married, so she has to be responsible with her, her family. So the my oldest one not married yet, so that you know she can be you know like our guardians. So we moved when uh, we came here for vacation. We stay here ever since then, and uh, and my my uh, older sister moved out here to be our guardian, and uh, that that's it. That's yeah, it. That's how we we and moved you, to California, and I never been, looked back. We've been here
0: <laughs> ever since. Yeah. So let's talk about the business a little bit then. So obviously we're at your bakery today Final Touch Mm -hmm. uh, which is in Westminster California so being that it was in Little Saigon is that why you with your background is that why you chose to open your bakery in Little Saigon or what why Little Saigon and how did you come up with the name Final Touch yeah um,
1: uh, it's funny when um when we um were in uh I met my husband while I was in college and uh And then we get married, and then his mom um you know like always doing business, and so she she gets this uh business opportunity with this man that uh, that is a Vietnamese bakery kind of goods and he he's retiring he's very well known in Vietnam for forty years, so he's retiring, and then he he wants to sell his trade and so um uh, so my my uh my 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 mother-in-law said to my husband, you know, like it would be nice for you guys to start up this business, buying this trade. She will help us with the investment and then uh, to 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 start it. And at that time, I still work for Northrop, and my husband proposed it to me, and I said, you know, I don't know, you know, I don't want to work with my mother-in-law. And then also another thing is that. Um, uh, I went to school, you know, and then now I I don't know how it's going to be, but and then I went with him because we're selling his product, the this man product, and um, I went with him to uh, to deliver that product one day right here in front of my store, mm-hmm. that's the, the market. Right so, front of my
0: store. so Sonny was doing what at the time? You said you're selling the product. Your husband Sonny, just for all yeah, the listeners. So, so, so he was doing what? He
1: He's, he's uh, distribute the product for, um, uh, for this man, for my, okay. uh, my mother-in-law. She bought the product, she okay. sent it here, and we resell it. Okay. Yeah. So I, go, I just go with him to deliver that product, and I see how demand it is with that product. And
0: uh, and that's and in Little Saigon? It's, it was it's just right here, the demanding market here. right in front of us. Okay. Right
1: and then I say, okay, this is good money. And uh, I, I had a kid. I have Jason at that time. So and you know, like, and I hate my job at that time as well. So I say, okay, I agree to, to start this business with, with you and your mom. And so I quit my job and uh, and I started. And uh, it's in the little Saigon because it's a Vietnamese product and uh, it's very well known. So as soon as we bought, uh, we purchased the recipes and everything. One year later, we broke even right away. We, you know, it's a good investment for us, and then we've been working with that for I don't know for um, three years, and uh, it's not challenging enough for me because I, I'm always artistic, and Vietnamese products is is just boring mm-hmm. to me. Pretty cut and, and dry. So, yeah, and then so. And then I have two kids, and I say you know I'm, I stay home with my kids all the time and then so i I venture out to be a real estate agent to be a travel agent and all kind of stuff, and none of them I like because I'm you know still I'm still very autistic and so so i I decided to go to school um to um u c l a extension program for pastry and um, and then we get the opportunity to buy this property that we're in right now. And they said, you know, open the front door out, you know, just to whatever. It's just, you know, because I want to keep myself busy and then being, you know, doing uh, something that I like uh, at the same time. So we try to open Final Touch for, um, uh, we're we the first bakery in the area that doing modern style kind of wedding cakes, birthday cakes, you know, like, uh, like uh, the martyrs do it, kind of style, you know, from the magazines and stuff. And, and then again, it just, boom, is picking up. We don't have to pay for overhead costs. We don't have, you know, we, we're using the same employees that we use for the Vietnamese line interchange and training and all this stuff. So, so as I go to school, uh, go to um, pastry school in um, uh, For UCLA, I'm setting up my bakery at the same time. So once I'm done with the program, my bakery is open at the same time. So that's how I come with the bakery kind of thing. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So you figured, I'm already distributing this baking product, Mm -hmm. so let me go and hone my skills at UCLA pastries so that's that that was your thought process yeah Just so that. so
1: we, we doing uh um we're doing the vietnamese product we specialize in uh uh engagement traditional engagement uh, uh ceremony and all this stuff and then we do like snacks and all this stuff and uh and i see the niche of wedding cakes that you know like people do in wedding cake but it's so boring around here so and then i said you know like i think french pastry is always the thing in vietnam and it's always in in us so i said you know like let's let's do something about this so i'm i come up with a concept it's that modern very different and uh and so i was the first one to open our outdoor to that kind of style and then everybody Mm started you know like follow and you know
0: so so how was it received because i know and just to let the audience know that um, when my wife and I, renewed our vows, um, you did our cake, you did all our cakes for our children at their communions and their confirmations. So obviously we love your product and, and we get, get your product, but I know just by word out in the street, oh, final touch, they're kind of expensive, how, how did you combat that? Knowing that you you might have been the first, but you might be a little bit more expensive than some of the other cakes out there was was that challenging to, to overcome?
1: Um, it's, I don't think it's challenging. I think you know you usually what you uh, pay for, for what you get. You know, and um, we we put in uh, our hundred percent. You know, like and uh, You know, from the ingredients to. To um, uh, tailor tailor to the customer what they need and in, uh, in in turn. so it's more customized, you know. And anything customized is gonna be cost you a little bit more. And uh, but if you compare my cake with the neighborhood around here, of course it's gonna be expensive because you know it's. Uh, but if you compare with the American market, we still a lot lower. So, so you know, and, and so that I I wasn't scared of that because um. First of all, I don't have overhead costs to pay. So, you know, like if the business doesn't go well, I still, you know, we still, we gain more money than, than we lost money. So it's just a business challenging. Um, it's not a business challenging for me, but it's just like, you love what you do, you put your best out and people recognize it. And that's what I believe in business too, that, you know, like um, when we, uh, when we start the ra- the restaurant, you, you, um, you know, like, Everybody doesn't know about us, and uh, that's the biggest ambition that I, I ever <laughs> take on. But you know, it's um, we know that we lost a lot of money, but I still keep going and going and keep you know, f- step forward because I know that you know, at the end of the day, people recognize it and people see it like you recognize it and you see it and you keep coming back to me, and then that's more rewarding to me than I make money yes yeah so so you know like people look at me they don't think that my business concept is working because if you don't make money why you stay in the business but for the long run you will see is um it's worth everything that you love what you do yes yeah
0: And just to let the listeners know the restaurant that you mentioned was s fine vietnamese dining mm-hmm. um that you you've closed since then uh, but now you're doing catering. Um, so how how is it running a bakery on one hand, and then also a catering service simultaneously?
1: Yeah, because I'm always love food. I I don't love dessert as much as food. So I I, I love uh, savory. And uh, before the bakery, I actually want to open a restaurant, but my children was too young, and. Uh, I don't want to take all the time that you know um, lost that you know, they growing up. So we postpone the the restaurant until they older and uh, and but in the meantime, I always go to the Culinary Institute of America to take classes, um, here and there to you know to improve my skill. So I when I open the restaurant, I don't make mistakes, But you know, of course, you always have to make mistakes anyways when when we open a restaurant we have we have, um, we have an, uh, an idea just to open the mainstream restaurant for for people like you like your know, younger professional appreciate the Vietnamese food but yeah you know, but they don't get the hassle and bustle and um, in like in the little Saigon so so that's my main idea but we don't get we can't get it from anywhere because we don't have restaurant experience, so we end up uh, at uh, the location at Westminster Mall because um, that's the only location they allow us in at that time. And uh, I said, since the space is so big, we might as well trying to uh, do, you know, like, banquets and stuff. And uh, and which is, I'm glad, because uh, that, that is, I think that is what I love the most because, you know, because um, we're doing uh, catering, and uh, that's why I hold on to the restaurant for ten years to build up my name. Mm-hmm. So now when I go uh, when I start catering, people recognize my name and then that's why I go, um, you know like I don't need to advertise, you know people just uh, come to me. yeah,
0: you have the word of mouth, you already have the brand, yeah. and so that's that's yeah. great. It, it seems like would you would you consider yourself a planner because Seems like you always have a plan and you have a roadmap, and you you have some type of course that you have plotted out. Would you describe yourself that way?
1: I'm always a planner. I'm, uh, you know, that's what my husband and I, uh, Sunny, we work so well together because I'm a planner and he's the executor. So I plan everything he can execute my plan and we work really well together. We work for, we work 24 seven for the past 30 years we married. We we work together uh, ever since and uh, we don't have any conflict and which is it's hard for a married couple, you know, like not just not not just work and activities and raising kids. But um I'm I'm always a planner and I'm always organized and I can't do anything uh on a spur moment. I have to have a plan, you know, from travelling to kids to everything I have to have a plan. Otherwise, <laughs> I can't I can't successful, so yeah. That's good. You've yeah. got
0: to have a goal and a plan. Um, we mentioned just serving your Vietnamese food to, to the mainstream America. With the proliferation of Vietnamese restaurants in America, especially everyone wanted to eat pho nowadays, it seems to be the, the end thing to, to, to eat. How, how do you explain how pho all of a sudden is just the, the soup the noodle soup that everyone wants to, to eat.
1: I think it's it's just because the the population of the Vietnamese people here that is introduced to a lot of people, and then the the pho is like the, the signature dish for Vietnam. It's a staple dish, just like the Mexican is you know like their nachos, or American is the hamburger, and you know like pasta for Italian. So pho is the main thing that everybody recognizes Vietnam by that. And uh, there's a lot of uh, restaurant, a lot of chefs, They they go they go in and they they introduce that. You know the social um, the media is helping a lot of that too. So that's why people know about uh, about pho more than anything else. Because you know I think social media and magazine and you know it, it, all kind of media yeah. introduce that dish yeah. Yeah, into into this culture.
0: Yeah. And that's helped you tremendously, you think? Yeah. Just all yeah. The, the media yeah. aspect. I, I know for a fact, once again, I know when we renewed our vows, we, we had it at your restaurant at the time and you were very helpful, um, not only with the, the menu, but with all the event planning part, part of it. So so you do more than just catering. You're actually uh, an, an event planner. So. Exactly. How did all? How did all that come about?
1: You know, I I I think because I'm a planner, you know, in any way that I I do in life. So it just I think it comes natural for me, and I love weddings. I love I love weddings. I love parties I'm uh I'm I'm not a party goer, but I'm a party planner. So I just love to to do parties and. And uh, so when I start catering and then I start people come in and then they, they talk about their plan for their weddings or their, or their uh, anniversary and stuff like that and I say, you know, it's, it's fun to be involved and uh, I like to give people uh, advice, um, you know, like help people, not give them advice, but help people to do it so you, so you don't, you have less to worry for when you plan a party. And so that's why I'm involved in every single event at my restaurant because I'm really, really uh, want to help out. And uh, it's gained a lot of experience for me. And so maybe the, my next uh, career going is uh, <laughs> being uh, event planning or something. <laughs> yeah,
0: there you go. Yeah. Are you, um, you mentioned Jason, your son, are you going to, and he's getting married um, soon, are you planning that or are you letting yeah, him do that?
1: I, uh, that I let him and his wife uh, do whatever I, I support, and if you know if they ask me to to uh, involve in anything, then I will involve. But of course, I, I injected my experience in, and they they always ask me for my experience. But my son alone, he's he's a planner himself. <laughs> so, yeah. So my my future daughter-in-law, she's she's um. Uh, she loves nice things. So we, we work together, but I don't take control of anything because, you know, and then we hire a coordinator for that day. We don't, I want to enjoy my yes, son's wedding. Exactly. So, and I don't even cook. I hire a caterer to cook for them. So, so you know, but uh, yeah, I, I plan the whole process, like uh, family, uh, you know, like things like that with him. But uh, for his own wedding, I think it's nice to parents just to stay away to let the kids have uh, have their own thing cuz I, what I believe is that I already have my wedding that I plan then I they should have their wedding up there their own plan you know they don't I don't want to be oh you know like I want your wedding to be my wedding <laughs> most of parents are doing that I, I try to stay away cuz I been in I'm in the business I don't want to do that to my children
0: what's the most intricate or challenging cake? And it could be wedding, it could be for another type of event. What's, what's the most challenging cake that you've ever had to take on? And, and I guess that could be two questions, most challenging and probably the one that you're most proud of, if it's not the, the challenging one.
1: It's, um, it's a lot, uh, mostly sculpturing cake is the most challenging. You know, like somebody bringing in a, a picture of an object and uh, ask us to replicate that object to be, to to do the to do the tech out yeah, yeah. of it, and that's the most uh, challenging because it's involved uh, structure, it's involved uh, in in um, um, planning and all this stuff. So, um,
0: uh, what's give me an example of one so of those sculptures?
1: So, for example, um, uh, I did this one tech for free, my uh, which is, is so challenged, but. Uh, one of my friend that he he wanted to give to this man a um, he ran opening his car museum and so he wanted to give a mega tech with the four model one car the, the first car the uh-huh. four design
0: uh-huh. model T uh. yeah uh,
1: I I don't remember <laughs> the model but it's 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 like um uh, um uh, convertible okay and then it's so antique. And he, my friend, he actually did the structure first, and and we have to do the cake on it. So literally, we have to carve the cake and the seats and everything, and it's so hard that we we have to do it. And uh, the the one thing that I don't I'm regretting is because it's so close to the time, I, I don't have picture for it because yes. you know, like we have to deliver and then. I was um, I have to stay behind because I have to run to the restaurant that day, and so I didn't take the picture, and none of my p- team go over there and take a picture, and that's the only regret I don't have. But that's the, the most challenging cake that I have ever done. is a is a whole model one car. Yeah. Yeah. Must have been With wheels beautiful. And everything. Oh my yeah. goodness. I know. Um, yeah. But see, wedding cake is um. There's a lot of challenging wedding cakes and. Um, we, it's mostly kind of involved with sugar, then there's a lot of intricate de- design involved, yeah.
0: Do you use any uh, inedible objects on your cakes? Like, I, I heard that you're not supposed to use real flowers on a cake. I've seen that before. Um, what's your opinion on using well, real flowers? Well, we're
1: using real flowers on a cake, but you know you, you, um, you know, you have to know the flowers that is not poisoned. You know, like any, that helps. <laughs> any, any flowers that, that we put on the cake, we have to make sure that, you know, like um, and then anything new that the, the, the guests bring it in, say, oh, I want you to put this on the cake. then we have to Google that flower to see that make sure that it's not poison in order to put on the cake. If it's poison, then we say that, no, I'm sorry, we, we can't put it on. And then we uh, explain to the guests. But um, the fresh flower is safe. You know, some people, they eat fresh flower like pansy and and, rose mm-hmm. and stuff like that. So it's safe. Um, yeah, only if you have to know the the type of flowers. Um, uh, sugar flowers. People tend not to order that much because it's so expensive. It's so it's handwork, and uh, people would rather you know like put the fresh flour on and take it off, yeah. and then spend the money on the uh, sugar flowers. Yeah.
0: Do you have a favorite cookbook, and if you do, what what's your favorite cookbook?
1: I have a lot of cookbook. Um, one of my favorite uh, baking book is that the uh, uh, it's from uh, Spago, and I find that uh, that you know, like every recipes I try on there, it's turned out always good. So I like that. And cookbook, I I kind of uh, take one cookbook and uh, you know like uh one recipes from my cookbook and it inspired me to do something else. But my favorite chef is Nobu though. He he inspired me a lot for Asian uh, cuisine. So I like his style and I like his personality from what I see on on the media. Hmm. Yeah.
0: Does he have a book or is it just Yeah he has lots of books. Okay.
1: Yeah. It's uh, Nobu West, Nobu East, whatever. He has a whole bunch and I have a whole collection.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Good. Um, we're going to wind down here a little bit, but I have a few more. If there were some individuals out there, not that we're trying to help your competition, but if there's some young um, people out there that want to get into the restaurant bu- business, what advice would, would you give them? <laughs>
1: <No>. <laughs> they, um, well, you know, I, I gave a lot of advice people to come in. The, you, know, I, you know, like When you open a restaurant, don't think about money. Think about passion. If you love it, then you open it. But if you think you open a restaurant for the luxury to be famous, to be to making money, then it's not gonna work. And that's my advice to them. That you know, like a lot of young chef, I took on a couple interns, and they so cocky. They come in, they think they, they can be the best chef ever, and they talk about all this. They want to work with all this famous uh, Michelin star kind of. It's not that easy. So so don't the just and then being being a restaurateur or a chef, you need to be humble in order for your client to love you, you know. Because, you know, I, I don't go to a restaurant that people are cocky, you know, and then I think you know, from my point of view, other people would think of that too. So yeah. But don't think of fame or money. It's not gonna work. <laughs> yeah.
0: What about location? How how important is location? Location a
1: is, is important. Yeah, it's uh it's very important. Like uh like the mistake that I made with my restaurant is because of the location, but it wasn't it wasn't because I you know like when I started I want to do uh, a prime location like Newport Beach or Huntington Beach I mean or um uh, or, um uh, Irvine, but they don't allow me because I don't have any restaurant experience. So don't ever open a restaurant if you don't have any experience. I have bakery experience, but the landlord don't look for that. They're looking for you know, restaurant experience. So end up, I, uh, I get uh, this location that uh, open, But and then uh, it's a mistake, but then it's an opportunity at the same time, because I get into, into catering, and, uh, and then that brings me um, to today.
0: Yeah, good. Because I was going to ask you, what was the biggest risk that you ever taken that actually turned out to actually help out in another area?
1: The the biggest risk for me, is just opened this big restaurant and with a partner. So don't ever have a partner. <laughs> <laughs> and then and then, uh, but you know, because because after yeah. about a year, I realized that the retail restaurant not going to work for us. But because the commitment of of, uh, of uh, me with the landlord with everything else, you know, and I'm, i I I don't give up, you know. I follow through. I don't. So I went uh, and then I say, okay, now we need to do concentrate on uh, on banquet more. We concentrate on catering more, and so I I work on that, and then two years later I branch out to do hotels catering, and I just do more catering to just get my name out. And that's the biggest um, uh, step for me that, you know, starting a restaurant and then going to this. And then I realized I love catering more than operating the restaurant. Yeah, yeah,
0: that's great. Yeah. One more and then we have a little, we always end, end kind of in the same way. Um, what, what happens if you didn't take that UCLA extension course? What do you think? You what direction would you have gone if you
1: If I don't take that UCL extension court, I might be just a housewife. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. But I I, I love my children. I, I learn, you know, I take care of them and uh, but you know, like while they're in school what you do, you know, like I I'm not a person that I can't go shopping and spend my husband money. You know, I, I have to make money, I have to so so, if you say L A doesn't um, work out, I mean pastry doesn't work out. I think I might just find something else to do. You know, like I always like things. Uh, like right now, I starting having time, so I starting I just enroll uh, back to school. I mean I enrolled to OCC to take some graphic design class. Nice. So so I'm I might going into interior design. Who knows? I yeah I just love. You know, and and like I told you at the beginning, I want to learn how to sew. You know, I I know how to sew very well, but only from patterns. I you know, so something like that. Now you know, I don't have everything is in in place, and I have some free time that I want to learn more. I never very, stop. Yeah,
0: like you said, very creative, and we probably already answered this. But at at what age did you realize that you were more right brain than left brain? Because obviously, probably someone told you you should be computer science. But when did you know that you were more creative, more right brain?
1: You know, I, I wish I have uh, more of that guidance when I was young. Because you know, raised, um, even my mom, she's very ambitious, and all my all my family, my siblings are, but you yeah, know we keep things to ourselves you know so we we are very close family but you know we i don't know we um so when i grew up my sisters they the the two right above me they are both computer science so i followed it for footsteps because i think you know then they can help me out then then you know like of course they married they have they have their own family and i still end up learning by myself and uh, but at um at a young age i remember i always uh, look over my sh- mom's shoulder how to cook and and it's one thing about about uh, cooking and baking is that I, and my aunt she bake a lot and I always spend time to watch her I only get to watch I don't get to hands-on because they think I'm too young and uh, and then I it's in my brain I, I don't forget steps you know like when my mom saute something and I know what but to be in the oil and the garlic and the you know like I know what that it goes but I never practice it until I live alone in California in, um, uh, when I was 16 and uh, my sister has to work my uh, and I'm in high school so I come home early I start prepping for dinner cooking for dinner and I just throw things in as I see when I was young and and everybody give compliment on my food. Then I realized, oh, I'm, I'm not bad of a cook, you know? But my mom always yelled at me, you know, you don't know how, if you don't learn, and then your, your in-laws gonna yell at you and all this stuff. So I said, okay, you know, but that's just, I think it's come natural for me that, you know, and uh, I learned it uh, within the family, but I never, never see it until, until I, after graduating working, and then I, I never see oh. that I like that kind of work. And so I, I get a chance to uh, open the Vietnamese um, uh, dessert shop. And then that's what inspired me to, to into cooking more, because I went to trade shows and, and things like that. And I start like, oh my god, you know, like, the pastry looks so nice. And I think I can learn about this and stuff like that. And you know, So I keep learning because of that. Yeah.
0: Good. So let's do the, we call it fill in the blank. And so I'm gonna say a couple of words and then you're gonna fill in the blank. Okay. So don't stop blank.
1: Don't stop learning. Always learning,
0: yeah. Yeah, uh, you're obviously, you're proof of that because it seems like you're always learning something new and, and that's, that's inspirational. You can blank.
1: You can learn from everybody regardless of their age. That's how I success, because I learn from a five-year-old to a 70-year-old. Every day you meet someone, you learn something from them. So never what, think that you are the best. Yeah.
0: What's one thing that you, not to put you on, but what's one thing that you learn from the five-year-old?
1: No, for example, like, you know, like their, the way that they're asking you a question, sometimes you, you, you just blown away how, how they are, and that's learning you know, how, how smart they are. Uh, sometimes you have to find an answer for them, which is, which is make you think. And so you learn from mm-hmm. them. Because they put a question that you have to think. So, so that's why I, that's my example that you're learning from, from anybody. Yeah, yeah. I love
0: that. Conversations are blank. Convers- Conversations.
1: Conversation. Conversation, you know, keep, uh, don't keep it dull, I guess.
0: Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Why? Who wants me in a dog conversation, yeah, right?
1: right? Yeah, listen to other people.
0: Is your, um, is your mom still alive? No, she passed no. away. Yeah, okay. May. 15 years ago. 15 years ago. Yeah. So obviously she saw some of your success. Yeah. Um, if she could see you now, what do you think she would, would say about her daughter?
1: I think she's going be very proud because she always said, I'm, I'm, I don't learn anything from cooking, you know, and she saw the Vietnamese line and the, the bakery, the final, I've te- opened Bayer the final check te- when she's still alive. So she was very proud She go everywhere. She brag about me, which is I hate it. But, and then you know, if she see me open and successful in the food and most of the recipes that I create is from, you know, like it's, I learned it from her. I think she's
0: to be very proud of that. Good. Well, I'm sure there's a ton of proud people out there, be it in Little Saigon, be it throughout Southern California, in Kentucky, wherever it may be, Um, you're definitely an inspiration to a lot of individuals out there, Stephanie. So I want to thank you for your time. Uh, for being on Vent with Trent the Gent. Before we go, where can people find you? Either on social media, you can give out your phone number, you can give out your business address, whatever you want to do right now.
1: You know, it's a uh, Final Touch Bakery and uh, and S Fine Catering is the two website that uh, you should look for. Uh, you know, like if you want to find me, that's where I am. Okay. You know, usually.
0: Pick social media. Any social media uh, platforms?
1: Social media. I have Final Touch Bakery uh, Facebook page, okay. and then I have S Fine Catering Facebook page, Good. and then Instagram S Fine Catering. Same thing. Same name. S Fine Catering and uh, and uh, Final Touch Bakery.
0: Sounds good. Well, thank you so much for your time, and hopefully we'll do it again down the line. Thank
1: you. Okay. Yeah, it's fun. It's fun to talk to you. <laughs> uh, thank you. Yeah.
0: For the vendors who were paying close attention, you probably noticed that I did not give Stephanie a token of my appreciation during our sit-down. Well, actually, I did give her a book offline, The Harvey McKay Network Builder by Harvey McKay. Therefore, Since I gifted Stephanie and all of you venters with that episode, I'm hopeful that I can call in a favor. Could you please give me the biggest gift by going to iTunes to give the podcast a review? I will forever be in your debt. Thank you in advance.